For the first time in my life, I lifted down this boulder, is how I can describe it, of alcohol, and I'd put it down. Ex-professional athlete and restaurateur Justin Bone hit rock bottom. Purpose and energy are, are two things that really came out of my, my stopping drinking again. His drinking and losing everything were, how might I describe it, codependent. Uh, after I'd stopped drinking, the best thing to do was to set up some businesses that would do some good for the planet and good for people. But you would not know that to hear him now. He has new business ideas aplenty. Welcome to the next round, our podcast about what people do after they change their drinking. It's amazing how the past you can re-emerge. The things that you had begun to believe about yourself when you were drinking no longer hold true. You are capable, you can achieve things, do trust your gut. They are all things I have learned. Could you? Justin Bones is a man on a mission. Fitness was at the core of his recovery, but it's his excitement for business and new ideas that keeps him going. From setting up pop-up gym to a new vegan food company called Vito Mito, he seems to be speeding up, not going slow. He talks to me about his lowest point, how he recovered and how to start a business. Um, so at the moment I have a business, well I have two businesses actually, but about to be three businesses, but um, I've got a lot of love to give and I've got a lot of good to do, if that makes sense. So as soon as I stopped drinking, I spent 25 years in the um, catering industry, you know, literally hedonistic, full-on lifestyle. I started in 89, you know, I don't know if you know what the 90s were like, but it, it was crazy times. Um, and so at the end of my uh, period of, of the catering world and, and, and the drinking, um, I decided that uh, after I'd stopped drinking, the best thing to do was to set up some businesses that would do some good for the planet and good for people. So actually, the first business that I set up was called the Pop-Up Gym um, because I used fitness and health. Um, it was integral in my recovery. And so we put on these huge uh, yoga events. And we put on the first yoga event in a cathedral in, in Western society and BBC filmed it. And we used to do these um, high energy boot camps as well inside churches and so forth. So we started with the pop-up gym, but part of the pop-up gym and part of my recovery became my diet. Um, and I became plant-based. And that's when I set up Vito Mito. Um, and we decided that we were going to open it during the pandemic and that the planet needed to um, eat less meat and eat less um, dairy. And so, yeah, I, I, I came back into the industry again, swearing I would never do it again. But, um, yeah, so I have Vito Mito and I have the pop-up gym and I'm just about to launch supersober.life. What were you like as a drinker? What was it that you – why did you make the decision to quit drinking, um, particularly from a man of your age, actually, where – you know, drinking must have been really part of your DNA and, and your work life. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, I was actually an athlete before I started drinking. So I was a 100 metre runner, but I, I mean, I was a serious 100 metre runner. So, I, you know, that was my full time profession as such. Um, you know, I ran for England. I was incredibly competitive. It's a very explosive sport, as you can imagine. Um, you're very focused, very determined, but you're also very much on your own. And I think what happened is that I stopped my athletics career because 
I realized I was never going to get to the top level. And when I say the top level, I meant the Olympics, you know, the world championships. And so I had to make a decision on whether to pursue this athletics career. And of course, I decided I didn't. I got to a certain level. And then within literally within one week of stopping my athletics and being incredibly healthy, I, I you know, I started smoking, started drinking, start going out, start, you know, start doing drugs. The whole thing within one week, I, I, I kind of switched automatically transferred into drinking. So I drank hard. I drank fast. I wanted to drink better than anybody else, uh, quicker than anybody else. And so I went down this route um, for t- literally 25 years of um, being in bars and nightclubs for 15 and then switching to restaurants after that period of time. I did them for 10. But all the time, you know, maintaining this, I want to be on a stage. And that was, I'm looking back now, this is a kind of hindsight thing of why did it happen? How did it happen? And then I, I, I think that's what actually happened is I had this hugely competitive nature. I was then stuck behind a bar, which was surrounded by hundreds of people, which is primarily a stage uh, any day of the week. And that was it. I was hooked completely and utterly. And so the addict inside me, which has probably always been there, which was being you know, transferred into 100 metres and training and health and fitness, suddenly completely switched to getting off my head the whole time. What did that do? You know, that's that's 25 years of quite heavy going. How did that must have felt great at the beginning, though? What is it that made you feel that it was beginning to get too much? What is it that made you decide that changing your drinking was where you wanted to go and, and was the right next step for you? I think the interesting thing for me personally is that I didn't think that I had a problem right up until the end. That was the genius of, of, of what I did is surrounding yourself by by booze and by alcohol and by people that were drinking. And, and that kind of justified what I did. So it wasn't, you know, I mean, people have said to me, you know, were you an, un- I, I wasn't an unhappy drunk. I, I, I loved being, being drunk. I loved being, uh, you know, the centre of attention. I was around people all the time who were also getting drunk. So it was very much a party atmosphere. It was only until really, I'd say, the last few months when the drink really got hold. You know, and then, then we're talking, you know, the three, bo- three, four bottles of wine a day type thing. And right towards the end, I knew that it was going wrong. I was still carrying on drinking. And the funniest thing was that I stopped drinking one morning because I got caught shoplifting. And there were two things that I never did while I was drinking. I didn't drink drive and I didn't shoplift. That was my justification to myself. Does that make sense? It was like, well, if I don't do those two things, I haven't got a problem. So, yeah, despite there was complete chaos in my life and everything was falling to pieces, as long as I didn't do those two things. And this is a terrible story, but I used to live opposite a garage, which was about 50 yards away from my house. And right towards the end, they knew me very well. I would go into the garage at six o'clock in the morning. They would give me a quarter bottle of scotch, give me it. I would then go home. I would then drink the bottle of scotch to go back to the garage to get my hands steady so I could put the pin number in to buy some more booze. So that's the level I'd got to. And it was that particular garage that I went into one morning and they said, I'm sorry, Justin, you're barred from it. And I said, what are you talking about? They said, you shoplifted from us last night. And I said, no, 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 I don't shoplift. And they showed me the CCTV and I literally walked into the garage picked up two bottles of wine and walked straight back out again. 
When they told me that, I went straight back to my house. And from that day, 23rd of January, 2015, I've never had a drink. You must have felt shit a lot of the time. <laughs> That's all I could think about. Is I, I'm thinking about your hangovers now. And I'm like, oh, God, that, that you gave me a headache just thinking about it. They were they were horrific. I mean, you know, when you're an alcoholic, it's a full time job. And the funny thing is that my last ever job, I was a delivery driver for Waitrose, of all things. Um, and that involved quite a process getting getting myself ready for work, you know, because that was first thing in the morning, sitting in a bath for about 45 minutes, running it as hard as I possibly can to sweat all the alcohol out of me, you know, taking certain medication. I mean, it was just an absolute mess. I mean, the days were, yeah, they were, towards the end, they were horrific. The morning, the shakes in the morning were terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. I could hardly hold my first ever drink of the day. You know, that's that's the stage that I was at. I mean, it's interesting because you talked about um, not really feeling that it was too much of a problem until the last few months. But clearly this was a this was like a volcano building up ready to erupt, that there was a whole series of events. You talk about your life um, really not being in a really great place. Tell me about that. How did you you, you end up in that, that space? Quite by kind of, I say by accident. I mean, it wasn't by accident. I, I was, you know, I, as I say, I was clever enough to surround myself by other other alcoholics. Um, and as soon as I, I left the last restaurant, the last restaurant I had, that was the one that, you know, we started off with no money. We had £5,000 for the entire refurb of the restaurant. That was including fitting out a kitchen. I mean, how we ever did it. And that was, we won quite a few awards. We were a, a big local restaurant around here. Once that was taken away, because um, I had to step away from it. It was, it was shut down literally in a day. It wasn't my fault. It was There was a problem with the extract. That was the moment when my life started to kind of unravel as such because I wasn't in the industry, but I was still carrying on drinking like I was in the industry. And that's when I think that looking back on it, yeah, that's, that's, that's when it happened, when I took away the actual, you know, the structures around me to keep me in control, if that makes sense. You know, you've got to be open up. 11 o'clock to serve customers well that's my goal and that's where I know I've got to be sober and I know that I've got to make it through till about nine o'clock at night that's when the last order goes in but between those times that's kind of free game isn't it so it sounds like your um your identity was very much wrapped around you running your businesses and around your time in the hospitality industry for that suddenly to disappear and for you to be left wondering what to do next, it's it's a really, really strong thing to happen to you. It's a really quite a traumatic thing to happen to you to suddenly not work, work out where your place in the world is. Yeah, I mean, once you take the structures away, <laughs> there are some serious problems ahead of you. And I, and that, without a doubt, that that is what happened. But then in the same way, as soon as I stopped drinking, you know, the, uh, the first two days, I, I just stopped. I mean, I, I was an idiot. I walked back to the house after, and that, you, you know, I remember, as I say, three to four bottles of wine a day, if not whiskey and Stella or whatever. And the next two days, I was in bed. I don't ever remember. I don't ever remember. But I know that something happened and I came close to not making it through because I... <laughs> I lost two. It's worth at this point saying to people, actually, you shouldn't suddenly stop like you did. I know that you did, but it can be really dangerous. And and you were clearly... It's incredibly dangerous. Inc- oh, incredibly. And especially for 
a man of my age who'd hit it so hard for so long. The chances of strokes, heart attacks. I mean, looking back on it, that was a dumb thing to do. And I, I yeah, without a doubt, you need to go and see a doctor. If you are going to think about stopping drinking, you need to take it really seriously if you've been a big drinker. And you do need to go and see a doctor and get yourself checked out. And you do need to go on a program to come down gradually off it. Do not do what I did. It sounded like uh, those two days in bed were were really tough. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to go into the graphics, but I didn't move for two days. So you can imagine the, the, the state of, of me and the bed, if you know what I mean. It was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. There were, I kind of have flashbacks of what was happening and there was an awful lot of shaking. I mean, I mean, it must have shook literally for two days. And it's still, I would say a week later, a week later I was sleeping because I was living in a house which was on two stories. That was the problem. The problem was stairs, but I couldn't walk down them and I couldn't walk up them. So once I'd gone through the two days of literally shaking and sweating and horrible things, if you know what I mean, then I, I moved downstairs. I managed to get downstairs of the, of the house. And that still took me probably, I'd say, three to four days to get enough kind of what I call strength to be able to walk around normally, walk up and down stairs. Everything was still incredibly fragile. And I would say, looking back on it, it took me... I w- a week, I think it was a week from when I stopped drinking to actually feeling kind of normal. Did you not just want to go back and go, fuck it, I'm going to go over the road and get a bottle? Or how did you deal with what was an extreme set of physical reactions and, and still keep your nerve, really? I, I've got, to be honest, purely strength of mind. You know, once I'd stopped before, it's a classic kind of alcohol, you know, I'd stopped for a month, so therefore I'm not an alcoholic. That was that was my thing as well. You know, I can have a day off, I can have a week off, you know, and so forth. But with with this one, as I just knew, I just knew then and there that this would this was it. This this was it was over. I didn't have to worry about it. It was put in the box, and you know, day three, then I was like starting to go right. I know I'm about to be thrown out of the house. I'm, I'm months behind on the rent. Right, what am I going to do? And that's when I found the garage which is what I moved into. So, I, yeah, I did my rehab in this garage on my own. You know, uh, to say you couldn't have made it any harder, you couldn't have made it any, any harder. But I didn't care. I was so happy. So I felt fantastic. There were no kind of – my mind didn't go to negative places. It didn't go to, oh, you're going to miss out or any, any of that stuff, which you had normally done before, you know, the fear of stopping drinking, that had been completely eliminated. And I think I'd realised this was this was it. You know, you had stopped. You had you had you couldn't have got any further to the bottom than I did. Just any old garage, or was it somebody's garage? You know, no, it was there was a guy who had fourteen garages, and I knew that one of them was coming up for rent. Um, and that me being savvy in my head, it was just like I was given the option to move into a, a homeless place in town. But the homeless place in town I knew was full of alcoholics. And I thought, well, that's the worst place to be for me as a recovering alcoholic is to be surrounded by other homeless people. It surely is better for me to be on my own and do this myself as such. So, yeah, this guy had these garages for rent, but the other garages were rented out by contractors who would go in the morning at six o'clock, pick up their plasterboard or electrics or plumbing pieces, 
So I knew I had to be out the garage at six o'clock in the morning. The only place that was open at six in the morning, of course, was the gym. So I joined the gym. And so then the athletics came back into my life and the health and the fitness. And, and I think the determination and the drive and the focus, all of that was instilled at a younger age. And then, of course, I used these tools when I needed them to, you know, conquer the alcoholism and, and move on from, from, from where I was. And so, yeah, the garage, although I was in there, I, I lived there for four months. But, you know, in the process, I did 135 meetings in AA in 100 days. You know, I learned what was wrong with me. I read books. I, I researched. Um, but nobody knew I was living in this garage. This was the funny thing was that I, I, I kept it from everybody. You know, I managed to get a, a cinema, Cineworld monthly pass. So if it was raining, I had somewhere to go. I used the library. There were all of these, you know, assets and facilities around me to, to actually provide me with a really good standard of living. But of course, at the time, I was just, I didn't, I was so happy that I picked booze. It didn't, I jumped out of the, the garage every, I was about to say jumped out of bed, but I was lying on cardboard. But, you know, I, every single morning, it was like, this is incredible. And I am still, to this day, exactly the same. I still start the day with that amazing feeling. Was I sober yesterday? Yes, I was sober. Wow. Well, that's it. You know, I've ticked number one off the list. I, I still I feel quite addicted to the energy that I have now that I've given up drinking and couldn't believe that I managed to slow myself down for so long. And I, I get that sense from you that this suddenly there's this, renewed sense of energy and this renewed sense of purpose that has come with taking drinking out of your life yeah I, I mean the purpose is the interesting thing because that was one of those realizations it's like okay well what am I going to do I'm in the catering industry <laughs> that's not a good place to be and so it but that was my skill set and that's where you know Vito Mito and the pop-up gym came up you know the, the ability to organize events the ability to sell to market and to to convince people and say look this is actually a really good quality of life thing to do for you and it, you know i do have a lot of energy i'm very lucky like that um but i think we all have a lot of energy inside us um we just don't know it until we stop drinking and uh and as far as purpose goes we've all got a purpose we probably just don't know it until we stop drinking what i hear from you is a very much a sense of there is now a life that you want to live and you're living that life and you wouldn't want to give that up for drink anymore because, you know, you've got you've got something you prefer that you like more. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I always refer to the three lives. There's the before booze life and then there's the booze life and then there's the after booze life. And I'm on the after booze and I'm eight years in. And, you know, it's my life I have now is so different to the to the booze life, but it still has the same energy and I still actually kind of get the same rewards as such. But it's obviously multiplied and magnified by the fact that I'm sober. So the feelings I get, the feelings of reward, the feelings of, 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 of achievement are, are so much better, so much better when you're sober. And if people have never thought about setting up a business with their own idea before, what do you think are the first steps they should take? I mean, I would... I, I joined something called Mentor, which is a local organisation in town, and every single area in town will have a similar situation, a similar business, and they're these small business um, kind of uh, facilities where you can go in and learn how to set a business up, and they do your courses, but they'll probably do it with 10 or 12 other people. So I would always say that is your first po point of call, is to go on a course 
um, and, and learn how to set a business up. Um, just the basics, just so you can, you know, you can build on that. Yeah, absolutely. This is exactly what I did, which is, you know, go on a business program to learn how to set up Club Soda and work out what, what we were going to do. Yeah, I mean, we... It's like with business plans. It's like I'm, I'm old enough and wise enough now when people present me with a business plan. With all due respect to them, I'm sure it's the best business plan in the world. I don't read it. I kind of push it to one side and go, right, well, that's not going to happen, just so you're aware, because it's business and it never works out the way you, you think it's going to work out. But that's that's part of the journey. That's part of the fun, isn't it? You know, we don't want to be in a comfort zone all the time. We want to be able to step out of it and feel alive. Yeah, fantastic. And if you, um, apart from obviously the obvious medical advice, which is don't go cold turkey if you think you're in any way um, uh, dependent on, on alcohol, uh, physically dependent on alcohol, what are the other top tips you'd give to people when they're taking their first steps to changing their drinking? It depends on the person, obviously. But I mean, I can only refer to what I call big drinkers because um, that's how I would reference it. I'm not, you, you know, uh, I would say if, if you're a, if you're a big drinker, yeah, you need to get um, professional help if you if you're going to stop. You need to cut down and not do it straight away. You need to realise. I mean, I have these kind of three points. Point number one is you have to admit you're powerless over alcohol. And that, that's the, the biggest thing, I think. That's the number one. I mean, there's a, it's a reason it's number one on the 12 steps, isn't it? You have to say to yourself, I cannot have a drop if you're an alcoholic, this concept, because so many of them do. I used to do it. So oh, I'll only drink on the weekends or I only drink on a Friday night. I only drink on a holiday. And, and before you know it, you set these rules and it's like, no, you need to admit that, that you, you know, you're kind of powerless over alcohol. The second step is I, I would say I'm a fan of it of AA, although I don't go to it. And I know that sounds weird, but at the start, I think it's really important for you to know who you are and, and know that it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, where you come from. You know, this, this demon drink, if it gets hold of you, it gets hold of you. And it, it doesn't it doesn't disparage at all about which social group you're in or, you know, and, and so I would definitely recommend that. And, and the third part of it, and I think this is important, and it's kind of overlooked is the health and the fitness side of it and your diet and that's it's so intrinsic if you want to really come out of, of the drinking and and perform to the best and get the best from non-drinking you need to have some kind of element of fitness or health or, or, or you know diet in your life one thing that used to make me laugh if i'm being honest and i tell this story is that you would go into the rooms as i call them at 7 30 in the evening and we'd all go in and everyone would be having cups of tea and coffee. You want a coffee? I've cup, cup, cup of tea, cup of coffee. And then these plates of biscuits would come out. And everyone would obviously, because we've given up sugar, and we don't realise. <laughs> and then everyone would start munching all of these biscuits and sugar and coffee and everything like that. And then we'd sit in the meeting and people would be like, yeah, I'm having real problems sleeping at the moment. And I was like, really? <laughs> you know, it's like, no shit. <laughs> You've just had a load of caffeine. You've just had a load of sugar down you, and you're all sat moaning about the fact that you're sleeping. And I thought those two things don't marry. So they they would be my three things. There is lots of help to start a business from gov.uk and local business support agencies. Just give them a Google. If you have an idea, I encourage you to give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? You can find out more about Justin on at supersober.life on Instagram. And don't forget to get some inspiration from us. 
Pubsoda is what I set up when I gave up drinking and it's here for you. Do find out more on joinclubsoda.com or visit us at our tasting rooms in Drury Lane, London. Every single visit from you helps us with our ongoing mission to help people drink mindfully and live well.